We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by zonecoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. I'm here with Charlie Johnson. We just watched the Timberwolves not move up in the lottery. And I don't know, I feel like we we were like, this is gonna be an awesome time to do a podcast because <laughs> they're gonna move up. Like new odds for I don't know, 14 the 14% chance of them moving up did not happen. Here we are. The Timberwolves have the 11th pick in the 2019 draft, and it just feels kind of sad. Do you know who the 11th pick in last year's draft was? Um, no. Shea Gilgis Alexander. So go. hey, a hey, positivity a little bit. You, yeah. I I all day was like I didn't really have much positivity, but then kind of as we were watching the countdown, I went like talked myself into like God, it can't keep happening, right? Like one of these years. That streak of never moving up has to change. Maybe it'll be this year. We were trying to, you and I, was for watching, we were trying to calculate what, what are the historical odds of not actually moving up? Because I think in some people's mind, it's actually astronomical, like impossible. But it, it, it's hard to move up, particularly with the old odds. I tweeted something out today where if they had the would have had the 10th pick under last year's odds, which are different, yeah. it would have been a 4% chance of moving up. This year they had a 14% chance of moving up in the 10th spot. So same thing. So it's they're going to move up eventually because the odds now are different. Mm-hmm. But as we sit here today and they have the 11th pick, it's still it's still deflating because the Timberwolves as optimistic as we want to be, they're a team who needs help. Yeah. And that was landing a top 4 pick, not even just obviously Zion, but like just landing a top 4 pick would have opened up so many more options and we <laughs> for this podcast we could have talked about so many different things we're like all right now do you really have some ammo to make a trade or just roll with John Morant or whatever like what do you do you feel different now or is it just kind of flat is i think flat's the right word it really is deflating because you are when you're a franchise that has on some level struggled to get out of a rut for such an extended period of time, you really just need something to break your way, like something that you really don't expect. You can point to something like Carl Anthony Towns and that, yeah, it was good fortune that the Wolves who had a 25% chance of keeping that pick kept it. That was good fortune, but it wasn't unexpected. It wasn't like totally out of left field. And when for so long you've underperformed and you haven't been able to find that magic potion that just makes you a good franchise, you just need something to happen that's totally unexpected. And the Wolves getting the second pick could have been that thing that just 
kickstarts you. Right. You know, helps you have a few years of success. Well, it's the real in the we know luck plays a role in a game of basketball in the NBA, but this is like the physical manifestation of luck being a real thing that shifts competitive balance in the league. Obviously, now we look at the New Orleans Pelicans and it's a it's a completely different landscape going into the offseason than than what they had before. They have the yeah. kickstart of like fundamentally just alters their their franchise's outlook. And the other side of it is when you don't get that kickstart, you're almost a step back because you don't even have the hint of the possibility of the exciting, you know, coming. And the Wolves, you know, who knows? Maybe they get Shea Gilders-Alexander yeah, 2.0, and that helps. That's a, that's a kickstart too. But it's so much less likely than if you were to have one, two, three, or four. Like 3% chance of Zion happening was not, that is not that small of odds. I would say that's, I tried to do a rough calculation, really rough calculation of what are the odds that the Wolves never move up over these 25 years. And what I came came down to was probably about a couple percent. Mm -hmm. So the Wolves probably had about a roughly the same chance of, of landing Zion Williams tonight as they have had of having all this bad luck over the last 25 years. Yeah. So why not? Why couldn't that have just like happened? Like balanced it out. It just sucks. What was, what was interesting, I mean, this is just super nerdy salary cap stuff, but it would have, it would have forced their hands mm -hmm. if they would have got the one for if any of the top four picks. It would have forced their hands to probably have traded one of Teague, Wiggins, or Jang. We, we talk about that hypothetically all the time, but, but if the Wolves would have got the 3% chance that they get Zion Williamson, which is obviously great for a lot of reasons, it's also an almost $10 million player right away. So you're talking about if Zion would happen and Cat getting all NBA, it's $127.3 million they have in, in guaranteed salary next season just for eight players. So you're talking about already in the luxury tax, like guaranteed in the luxury tax right there. So then if you're Gerson Rosas, you would have literally had to trade Jeff Teague. I mean, or, or something. You would have mm -hmm. had to do something because I don't think – I mean, maybe – Glenn Taylor justifies paying the tax because it's Zion, but no, paying the tax is very, very rare. It doesn't even seem that smart to pay the tax this year in general. You're mm -hmm. just getting yourself closer and closer to the repeater tax. Like, yeah, if you have to justify that it's Zion and we can keep these pieces and be really competitive, sure. I'm sure you can rationalize it. But in thinking of Glenn Taylor, it's difficult to imagine that he's just going to be okay paying the luxury tax in perpetuity. So it seems... Which a lot of people, I know you, people are probably listening right now, like, wow, he's so rich. He's so rich. But just remember when you think about the luxury tax that, like, n most teams do not do that. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of them. It. I mean, help me help me remember here. It's... The it's, Warriors. The Warriors. The Rockets. Well, well they, no, no, not they the were Rockets. last year. The the Raptors. I actually... I, it's, it's teams who are literally, like, competing for a championship. And I, I get that because it's not just about paying the money out of your pocket, like $10, $12, $14 million out of your pocket. It's it's also the penalties of losing the mid-level, losing uh, the, the repeater tax coming if you want to do it the next year. It, it's an exponential cost that you that you have to pay. So it's it, – I, I don't know. I just, Whenever I tweet about it, people are like, Taylor should just pay it. should just pay it. Yeah. And – I mean, maybe, maybe there, some people are like, yeah, he does have disposable income, but that for Taylor to not pay it for a thirty-seven win team is smart. Yeah, it's the norm. It's, that, it's that, very that, much. That's the norm. why he's made billions of dollars right. is because he's made smart decisions like that. But yeah, I, I mean, it just would have helped so much to have that. Well, we have Zion, so then can you pay the luxury tax because? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's no way of justifying it for a team that, you know, caps out at 50 or 55 wins. It's just hard to justify it. Right. We're going to on this pod, we're going to we're going to talk a little bit more about the draft or, or the lottery, what happened in the the upcoming draft. Charlie and I, full disclosure, are not huge NBA draft people. We're going to start digging into that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to the combine on Thursday. That'll be my first like firsthand exposure to to the players. So we're going to be more of that. I, I don't think we're going to go through and like break down Kobe White's game on this podcast, but we, we want to talk about where the 11th pick, you know, puts them. 
and 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 look at the pipe dream of one through four or of Zion or Morant, whatever it is out the window. And that's an important domino that has now fallen in what is to be an interesting Timberwolves offseason. So we're going to go down that. Also, as I'm sure somebody listening to this has caught wind of, the Timberwolves are, have or will be interviewing four coaches um, that are Rosa's wants to interview. So we'll, we'll talk about that, what that kind of means for Ryan Saunders and I don't know. It's hard for us to speculate too much about an assistant coach. We'll we'll talk about kind of where where that ends up. Um, you know, taking that's another domino, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Of, of the offseason, were you surprised to have kind of seen that all come together today? Yeah, I well, I didn't really know how to parse through it because on some level, I thought that there would be a search, quote unquote. You know, sure. kind of air quotes. Whether how how serious that quote was or that excuse me, how serious that search was, I wasn't sure. So when I kind of saw the initial reports come out, I wasn't that surprised because it just seemed like a couple of names that I really didn't expect and that were kind of on the fringes. So I thought maybe it seemed like more of a facade. Like we're just going to put on this search. We know we're going to hire Ryan Saunders, but we want to make it seem like we did our due diligence. But I was more surprised when Finch's name came out later later in the day because it's been reported previously that that's Gerson Rosas's guy the assistant coach with the Pelicans and he was he was also um, the G League coach when Rosa in Houston when Rosas was the general manager of that yeah Houston G League team so that's kind of that connection yeah as i understand it yep absolutely and so that made me made me think about it a little bit more that this could be a serious search that maybe and for all I know, Ryan Saunders is just as serious a candidate, if not more, as any of those other as any of those other people. But it was interesting to me that Rosas's guy is is going to be coming in for an interview. Well, it, it just uh, for me, and I've said, written, whatever. My my assumption for the past month has been ninety five percent that it's Ryan Saunders, and the five percent that it wasn't going to be was baked into the possibility that they they start a real coaching search and maybe that happens and maybe they're so blown away by prospective coach X that it ends up happening. Now you you have to lower that 95% because the search is happening. Did you expect them to do a search in general? I, before Rosas was hired, no. Once they hired Rosas and just in kind of hearing some things and just kind of the vibe I got like yeah. from who he is or looking into him a little bit more as a person. It's like he he strikes me as a person who wouldn't skip that step and just be like, sure, Ryan, like you're good. So but I didn't know I didn't know how much his hand would be forced to be like, yeah, Ryan's our guy. And I, I think there's an element of this that we still don't know that maybe Ryan was the guy and they just kind of have to do this yeah. to see who would be great for assistant roles. Or... Sure. And it just looks like nepotism yeah. to just give it to Ryan. Um, but this seems there's an element of this seeming real now. So I'm again, I'm lowering it down from 95 to I don't know, 85 or something percent chance that it's that it's gonna be Ryan. I think it's interesting that all these coaches are really young. Mm-hmm. To me, that signals they know it might be. Ryan's job, but it's good for them to get reps as an interview, interviewing for a head coaching job to say they've interviewed. They're almost doing favors. The Timberwolves are if, almost, if, if that's the case. I, and I think, I think, I think that's how it works with, with coaches to some yeah. degree. It, it's like a little bit different than executives where you're like, Oh, they have, they've interviewed for six jobs and never got any of them. That was kind of the Rosa's rap. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, I don't know. I, to me, it's a little bit different when it's a coach and you That's my perspective. It as well. ad, it adds on to your resume a little bit. I, I I tweeted out the ages here. So Chris Finch of the the four people the four people that are reportedly interviewing are Chris Finch, who's an assistant with the Pelicans, who Rosas has a history with. He's 49 years old. Juwan Howard has been with Miami forever. Mm-hmm. And he's 46. David Vanterpool has is an assistant with the Blazers. He's also 46. And Darvin Ham, who's with the Milwaukee Bucks as an assistant, is 45. That Those are young coaches. Mm-hmm. I remember just kind of when Ryan was hired, going through like, 
you know, what, what is, what is, what's the normal age of a young coach? And I, I remember Rick Carlisle coming to town for that was like the first home game Ryan was the coach for. And it was going to ask people, I knew people were going to ask Carlisle questions about that. And he came into the league as a very young coach at the time with the Pacers when he was first hired. And Carlisle was 42 then. Mm. So I don't know, maybe the league has evolved a little bit. There's a couple of younger coaches and Bickerstaff comes to mind, Fizdale. Mm-hmm. I think those are guys in their 40s. How old is Spolstra? He's got to be in his 40s still. I think when he took over, though, he was late. He was late 30s. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but that that was very the. I guess my point is is that the these are young coaches that they're interviewing, which is interesting, and maybe the sense that they're just getting them reps, but also that the Wolves are clearly going with a youth movement mm-hmm. on the executive. The non-player side, like Ethan Casson's 45 years old, who had a huge role in the search for president. Gerson Rosas is the president, and he's 40. And now all all these guys are in their 40s. Ryan Saunders just turned 33. It seems clear that they want to be a very young coaching staff slash front office. And I don't know. I guess I can't really think of other teams who – seem to have made that a point yeah. of emphasis. Like this seems to be a point of emphasis. It doesn't seem like a bad thing. It's not like these guys are lacking experience. Mm-hmm. Grosso is obviously, you know, 17 years in the Rockets organization. He seems to have the resume of a, of a, a competent chief executive, you know, Finch, Howard, Vanderpool, Ham seem to have a resume as an assistant or playing in the league that would suggest they're ready to be or close to being ready to being a head coach. But they're still young. Yeah. And that, that I don't know. It's interesting. I haven't seen, when you say any other teams that have done something similar, n- nothing comes to mind. But when I think about it for the Timberwolves, it just seems to embody this desire to change. Like yep. in every way that you can, in, in every facet that is possible, change. Because what you have been doing has not been working. So youth generally like signifies change. So it makes sense that if you want to do this big reboot. But are you doing it to signal change or are you doing it because it's good change? And that's my general concern with all of this is having a greater concern about the image of it, the perception, how this fan base that was largely turned on you is going to perceive change or are you doing it because it's the best change? It's just, it's a concern I have. Yeah. And that's why I think I was encouraged when as the reporting became more clear throughout the day that this seemed like a more robust search than at least I would have ever predicted that they would mm-hmm. embark on because I would and I don't think I've like held this back. I would love to see them go get Gerson Rosas's guy. Yeah. I would love to see them get somebody who he knows because if, if I'm Rosas and I'm stepping into my first job as an NBA general manager, president of basketball operations, boss, whatever, I know that this first impressions really last. I need to make a good first impression. This could be my only general manager job. Do I want that first year to be at the whim of a 33-year-old who, while I am I respect and I know on some level, I don't completely, you know, I have no reason to feel confident in what their philosophies as a basketball mind are, or do I want to go into it in lockstep with someone who I'm confident will be symbiotic with me on some level? And if I'm Rosas, I want the latter and I want to make the most out of this opportunity. And so that's why I was encouraged to see that reporting come through throughout the day because I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I put out a, I put out a call for mailbag questions because this podcast Do we is, get any? Is, yeah, we have a, I think we have a bunch. Nice. I'm scrolling here. But one that just came up is wondering why Becky Hammond isn't mes- mes- mentioned along with these guys. And to the point of change and youth, I mean, that would obviously be change in the sense that it's a, a female. Um, also, I'm assuming Becky Hammond also is what, probably early 40s, something like yeah, that. Yeah, mid-40s maybe. Um, Absolutely. And I mean, comes from an organization that is as esteemed as it can be. If mm-hmm. you go pluck the number two in command with the yeah. Rockets and then the one of the assistant coaches from the Spurs, like – you're both changing and you're trying to embody something that has been successful in the past. That sounds awesome. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I like the idea of the youth movement, but I do want to see some where along the way, like checks and balances be made where 
for me, I'm going to be very excited because it just makes sense in my head that the lead assistant, whoever that, you know, for one of these young candidates, probably Ryan, I want it to be like a six-year-old dude who's cut his teeth in the NBA for 30 years, is familiar, has seen it all, you know? And so I, I say that because I'm there should be some caution to the idea of full-on youth movement. Like, mm-hmm. let's not... Let's not be the baby wolves. Yep. You know, you're, you still have cat who's 23. Like you're, you're, you're not, I don't know. You're not like the Phoenix suns. Like the, totally. the wolves are, are steps ahead. This isn't a full on long, long rebuild. Like on the roster side, it kind yeah. of is on the like organizational side. Well, does that make you feel more confident in, in having Scott Layden be the GM behind Rosas? Because he is in a lot of ways of like, you know, I've, made it in this yeah. like I've been here for a no, long I think, time. I think there's some logic to that. Yeah. And uh Scott, for as much as lots of people are I, I have, you know, ripped on him. Um like he he has extensive background in scouting and general managing as it pertains particularly to the draft. And if we want to go with anecdotal evidence, obviously Akogi and Bates Diop were, you know, good good picks in that sense. So yeah, I mean as weird as it sounds to say, I want to see there be a Scott Layden on the Wolves bench. Yeah. Like I do. Yeah. I, I want I wanted a, a real adult in the NBA yeah. coaching sphere to, to also be in there. And, um, it just, yeah. And that was sort of a loaded question I asked you because it wouldn't have to be Scott Layden. There are a lot of <laughs> Scott Laydens around the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> he, he has on some, level, on some level poisoned the well here. So. I can see why someone would want to go in a different direction, but I agree with you that there's, there's gotta be experience. Bouncing around and using, um, these kind of mailbag questions to help us <laughs> meander through this podcast. Uh, Bryce, who is at free Tyus on Twitter. It's a good handle. <laughs> if you had to guess, do the wolves pick at 11, move back or move up? Pick at 11. If I'm guessing I'm yeah, a I very, I'm a very like logic oriented person. And I would just say that I can see any of them happening but I think there's the greatest chance by far that they keep the pick and make a selection. What do you think? I could see it. I could see it moving. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe if we're parsing through like percentages of that, put it like this. I, I, from what you just said, I think it's more likely than what you think that that pick is moved. Which like, do you think that they would try to move up, move down, or just get rid of the pick to get off of some side? I, I could just see them being creative in with using the pick to, create financial flexibility. Um, but you know, maybe that, maybe that helps you get off of a Teague or helps you. If you trade 11 back to like 24, I, I, I could see yeah. that type of deal happening. Um, it's, it's worth pointing out that lottery picks this year are really expensive. Like it's, it's nice to get, it's nice to get a $4 million player, but if you can get off of that, you, you, like if you trade that pick for, for some a future pick or something, you then have that four million dollars in yeah. cap slash tax space mm-hmm. to use. Th- don't get me wrong; like the the value of the eleventh pick is definitely worth that four million dollars yeah. in salary yeah, yeah. for this year. But that's a way if you are trying to be able to use the full mid level, or if you're trying to be able to stay under the tax while keeping Teague Wiggins Jang. If you are trying to do that, getting off of that pick or moving it back to a lesser dollar value, you know the picks scale down to cheaper. I, I, I wouldn't that that wouldn't shock me to happen. Moving up, that would surprise me. You just start to think how. Yeah, well, I mean, it would be attaching future assets to future picks, and probably it just seems to make more sense if you if you're willing to dump assets at this point. Not dump. I mean, attach assets to something. In my mind, the most reasonable way to use those assets would be to create financial flexibility. You almost need that more than anything. Like, yeah, you, yeah. And somebody listening to that might be like, "Well, Dane, like, you need a this team needs a point guard. Like, if you get up and you can get Garland or you can get Morant or something like that, now you have your dynamic point guard to put alongside Cat." Like, I, I hear that and I acknowledge that if that works out with Morant or Garland or White, whoever, then great but there's a risk there's an inherent risk there where 
creating space, creating financial flexibility is more of a known commodity. Mm-hmm. And Rosa strikes me as as doing that. Like I don't he's not gonna come into this with like the flip Saunders. We're swinging for the fence because we know we're rebuilding for a long time. Like we're gonna take Zach Levine, even though he didn't start at UCLA. And we're just going to, you know, it was a home run pick. Like mm-hmm. Flip said that there was, there was certainly downside risk at that, but they worked Zach out and they're like, we see an X percent chance that he becomes a stud. And I just uh, assume a more conservative approach with that. And in a conservative approach, trading the pick back or yeah. in, in some way off of it isn't. I, I don't know. I, I guess I could just see that. I'll definitely agree with you that if they're going to trade it, it's far, far more likely that they do it to move back. Because if you do, if you attach that, you know, to get off of Teague, let's say in a hypothetical and move back to 24, then you're not only, as you laid out, you're not only getting off of Teague's $19 million, you're getting off of like two, three million more dollars, which is a lot in moving down from 11 to, to after the lottery in the draft. Yeah. Where do we go next? What do you got? Any other good questions? I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like scrolling through here. It's from Dougie Fry. Based on our roster slash payroll, do you think Rosas will try and nail the 11 pick or possibly trade back with Boston for two of their three later first rounders? I think that's an interesting that's an interesting way to do it. Do you pick up Do you pick up multiple first rounders for this pick if you can you know get that? Can you get 14? Because and like six and Boston wants to do that because like what do they need two first round picks for? Is that kind yeah of yeah their yeah? Rationale? Well, no, there's a few teams that are. Like like Atlanta has was Atlanta have like four firsts this year? Yeah, three like or four. I don't know. There, there, there's a situation where I could see see that happening, and if you are the Wolves too, there's attraction in in and drafting and keeping two or three rookies because you're going to need cheap contracts. Is that is that maybe too much to have to bring on three rookies on top of a Kogi and Bates Diop? And now a third of your roster is first or second year players. Like that might be a bit much. It's interesting though. You're always trying to, the Wolves are trying to hit a home run in my opinion right now, moving forward, trying to hit a home run to find somebody that helps them take this leap that they're struggling to find right now. So does having the 11th pick or does having say like 17 and 25, does having the two darts later or the one dart, you know, further up on the board, give you that better chance? I don't know exactly. I tend to think that having the the better pick would give you a better chance, but yeah, so, well, somebody smarter than me about the draft and the value. Well, that's what I was going to say is you and I probably can't, Answer that Super question. intellectually discuss the yeah. the value of eleven versus seventeen to twenty five. And there are like trade charts that I know you use mm. historical value to parse that out. But it also matters like which draft it is that it's the twenty nineteen draft that right. we're talking about, and we know the players that are going to be in that draft. So that that matters along with just like historical probabilities. Right. We have numerous Becky Hammond questions. We we touched on that. It, the the Becky Hammond thing is just not even just for a, a Timberwolves sense. It's you know, it's it's fascinating. I mean, obviously, yeah. the elephant in the room, like she's a woman. Yeah. And that hasn't, you know, that that hasn't happened before. So when I don't think if when that happens for him, and it is going to be a team who is looking for an intense change. Or is at least willing to embrace it. Right. If they're if they're not looking for but it. But it comes with a it comes with a a a media circus to to some extent. I your team inherently, I think, becomes way more under the microscope. And I think it's just tricky, too, because, th- I mean, think about how often all these coaches are fired. I mean, every single year we think there's these people who have, you know, been been the coach for one or two years and they're fired. So if Becky Hammond gets the opportunity, say it's with the Timberwolves, you know, and these next two years don't go well, you know, how do are you more hesitant to fire her because of that? I mean, I would like to think not, and you could just look at it objectively, but I think it's kind of loaded in that capacity. And just like the broad sense that it invites a lot of other areas of discussion because it should be like more women. There should be more women assistant coaches. Like it just doesn't make sense. There should be more women head coaches and more women general managers. It just doesn't make sense. Like women play basketball. (laughs) Like why would, why aren't they in leadership decisions of basketball organizations? 
I don't know that much about assistant coaches around the NBA in general. I don't know how long Becky Hammond has been an assistant with the Spurs compared to. Well, the, I think the, that's the, the thing is that for a woman, any woman, they need to you know have substantial time in the NBA because I think like Hammond, she played in the WNBA for a long time, but it's different to come into an NBA organization, which is like I. It, it makes sense that Hammond needs to. And you'd say that build about up time. You sh- you'd say that about Ryan Saunders as well. I, yeah. Not or like not Jason for Kidd. a woman for any yeah. coach who hasn't spent much time. Like Ryan Saunders wasn't an NBA player. Like mm-hmm. if you know he needed seven years on the bench and now he probably still needs ten more. But it, it is interesting that you know that's the kind of person who's the you know an assistant coach within a franchise that has done all the things the right way, yeah. who's who's there because she's a basketball intellectual, mm-hmm. who's there because one of the greatest coaches of all time hired her. Right. Why isn't that somebody that you'd want to bring in for an interview? No, I I, I think yeah. it I think it it absolutely is. I think it, I think she should be interviewing for head coaching jobs. I understand why she might not get it right now, but that's the same reason I understand why Juwan Howard yeah. wouldn't get it because they're both about 45 and yeah. have a similar amount of experience in the league. Really the guys who who end up getting head coaching jobs like right away are the Derek Fishers and the Jason Kids who have long and and kids sense storied careers where they Steve seem Fish like Fish too. Come on. Laker yeah, legend. A little bit different. That's a little <laughs> yeah, bit yeah, different. I'm, I'm joking. Well, and they both flopped. Yeah. So yeah. that's the that's kind of the But they were always identified. You think about like a Draymond Green or David West or like someone like that who's always while they're playing all right or Jared Dudley are identified as like, oh, that guy's gonna be mm-hmm. a coach someday. Like those people tend to because coaches have been watching them and have like identified things that they do that they see as translatable. Like that makes sense to me. Right. That those are the kind of people who would get MBA jobs right away. We have another question or more so just observation. That had I I didn't really think about this from like a Western Conference competitive balance standpoint, but the West teams other than New York are the ones who jumped up, hmm. you know, which makes whether the Lakers draft fourth or they have this now real nice asset to move, the Lakers become a more dynamic team next season, which, you know, makes it even more likely that they'll have a better record than the Wolves, Yep, like pushing them back. I know AD says he still wants to be traded, but if he does stay in New Orleans, like Drew Holiday, Zion Williamson, and Anthony Davis, I'm sorry, that's already like a a way better team than the Timberwolves. Yeah. Right? And they they finished behind the Wolves this year. Um, Memphis, they're rebuilding. <laughs> um, but but still, like those are those three teams who got some some luck. Who are the teams that fall, fell what like directly behind the Wolves? Were those the three teams in the West right behind them? Uh, oh, no, yeah, Dallas. The yeah. Mavericks. Yeah, so Dallas was three games behind the Wolves, then Memphis, then North. Yeah, they basically – and the Lakers had one more win than the Wolves. God, that stinks. Yeah. The, the Lakers The Lakers had a 9.4% chance of jumping up into the top four, and the Wolves had a 14. <laughs> and the Lakers got it. 19% chance at moving to 11, though. <laughs> <laughs> what, do, what do you think for the Lakers? Like, what do they do? They're trading that for sure, right? I would think, yeah. I you're not think, gonna take like Darius Garland. No, or? you're trading it for Anthony Davis, like period. Yeah. You're. It sounds like David Griffin wants to see what he can do to convince Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis to stay. But if you're the Lakers, you're saying, "Wow, see how lucky we got." Now, you want to have the first pick and the fourth pick, right? Like, yeah. If you're the Pelicans, like, that kind of sounds cool. And also Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball, like, you know, whatever the deal is going to end up being. But yeah, I agree with you. If I'm the Lakers, I'm trading that because you don't get, unless their ownership has really decided that these next few years with LeBron aren't like the peak that they're trying to to gear their moves toward, then yeah, you have to trade it. So let's assume the, like, it's like the whole package that the Lakers, so let's put Kuzma, Ball, Ingram, and the four pick, like the Pelicans. That's that's sweet. Yeah, like that thing. I mean, the Pelicans are essentially. I don't know where the Pelicans sit right now, or like where the Wolves did right before they traded KG in 07, right? Yeah. Essentially, you know, if the yeah. one stud like yesterday though, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. The walls no. didn't have Zion. No, no, no. Room. Well, now, now that that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so it, it's like think about for the wolves how long it took them to get back. I mean, to it took a decade for mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. Yeah. To get like back to relevancy at all, make the playoffs. Um, now, if you're the if you're the Pelicans, and you can go, you know, Zion, Ingram, Kuzma, Ball, Drew Holiday, or maybe trade Drew Holiday too. Like, that's a team who sounds like it'll be back in the playoffs quick, right? Yeah, I mean, not immediately, but but I, they'll they'll be on that upward trajectory that you know the Timberwolves were two years ago, and that like they're always this like young upstart team that's coming, like the Timberwolves and the Nuggets have been, and the Sixers have yeah, been. Yeah, Nuggets. And, and, I like the Nuggets. Comp, yeah, but. and now. Two of them have arrived, but yeah, they'll be the team. I mean, that would be an an incredible core. What you can get at one and four, if it was just one and four, you could build Zion and Darius Garland and right. whoever. Like that's an incredible core. When you have that and a blank slate around it with re- no real financial commitments in, in into your long term, that's incredible. I remember I, I texted to someone from the league and asking about you know how. You know, attract, how attractive is the Wolves' job? Mm-hmm. This is before Rosas was hired, and and like the way they put it, it's, like, it's a way better, it's a way better job than the New Orleans one. Hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, obviously, I know like New Orleans is a pretty tough spot. They got to trade their like yeah. franchise center, but I was still thinking about it, like they're getting back at the sweet Boston package or kind of sweet Lakers package. Something like they're going to get a lot for them. So I thought, like, I've always thought like the Pelicans' job. Wasn't that bad, but that was that was interesting for me to hear. And I guess what that probably just comes down to is that cat is this known commodity, right? Like, pretty known of like a stud. Yeah, yeah. And and that just supersedes the trickiness of the rest of the owners' contracts on the books. And yeah, as I think as an executive, they're just way better at looking out like three to five years than we are. You know, I mean, we get, I I get so bogged down on like, oh my gosh, $36 million to Jeff Teague and yeah, Gorgie Jang next year, like steam screw. But if you're Rosa's or if you're a prospective executive, you're like, you got cat. And I, 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 I'll be to text him and see, is, yeah. is, New Orleans, I, is New Orleans better? It's got, it's gotta now. be. I mean, this changes. You get, you got. LeBron, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like you got Zion. That's interesting though, because I could also spin that the other way, that that would make it seem like those executives are more short-term focused. Like, couldn't you look at the Pelicans before today and have said, yeah, they're in a precarious situation right now, but they're going to trade Anthony Davis for a, a package of, of, you know, young and capable and exciting players. And then around that, they're not going to have that much to worry about and they're just going to rebuild. So in, you know, five years, I like what, what that could be. Whereas mm-hmm. with the Timberwolves, they should be pretty good right now. Like we should make some playoff pushes, but what happens if we can't make any big moves? Where are, where are we at in three or four years? Where yeah. is that known commodity going to be? So that's interesting because I think you could also flip it the other way and say maybe that. Oh, means, I was surprised. I maybe mean, that means executives are are those at least that person. This is a mm-hmm, small sample right. size, but to make them like the label of executives, maybe they're more short term focused and like because right. executives do need to perform in the short term unless you have an ownership group that's willing to be patient, which just isn't that common. We haven't heard, I just struck, we haven't heard about what Rosa's deal is, right? Oh, yeah. We haven't heard years on that. That hasn't been reported. It's got to be long. Weird. I, yeah, you would, you, would, you would think, but that's kind of like, I mean, it makes a difference. Like, I know this is apples and oranges to some extent, but that's like why Ty Lue turned on the Lakers job. Mm-hmm. It's because it's only three years versus five, and... The, the Wolves better have offered him a long-term deal. Like five? I don't really know what's five years standard, right? Even for president of basketball operations, that's what Layden got. That's well, but that wasn't standard. That was like they had Taylor, like Tibbs had Taylor over a barrel and was like, yeah, give me five and pay Layden top dollar. Yeah. But it's still, and give us five. But five is still standard. I know five is standard for I would coaches. say four, but I don't know. I'm, this is yeah. spitballing. I just hope whatever they gave, whatever they gave him was good like a good deal for rosas yeah and it if it's three that kind of changes the way that you view it as if you're rosas yeah 
the you know the impetus for aggression only increases mm-hmm. the the shorter your deal is. Well, and that's exactly why you hope it's a long term deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I, and I would I would assume, and who, who knows? I'm sure that'll that'll come out um, shortly. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just. This would be. This would have been such a better day if they were the, the Pelicans. Then, gosh, three games. So Pelicans thirty three and forty nine, Wolves thirty six and forty six. It's not Carl that. Anthony Towns is too good down the stretch. Yeah, but you know, I okay. I will say, like, I'm so pro this lottery system. Oh yeah, like this is way better. Way better. Way better. And you know, like, good that the Knicks didn't get it. I don't think that it's going to discourage tanking that much but i just like that it won't reward it as much yeah well i think to some degree it has like to some degree yeah you're right like for like atlanta i think is a you know a good example this year like i think they were more cool with like they played really well the second half of the year Mm -hmm. you know and they fell to like the fifth worst record in the league but if it's the old odds I wonder if they get more aggressive with their tanking mm-hmm. down the second half and be like, you know, hey. So, so what it ended up being for them is they had a they had a forty two point one percent chance of jumping into the top four, mm-hmm. or of being in the top four. Yep. And the Knicks, who had the worst record in the league, had fifty two point one. Yeah. So it's just like not that bit. Fourteen of one for the Knicks, ten point five for the Hawks. Like I like that at the. I mean, it, at the very end, it's good that the bottom three are the same. It it allows for excitement. Like there was today was exciting. Genuine reason to feel like there's a good like a good chance. What whatever you want to call fifteen percent. Like to me, that's a pretty good chance that the Wolves were going to move into the top four. Right. Which would have yeah. fundamentally altered the the short and medium and long term outlook of this franchise. And that was fun all day. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. It was. It was more fun than I was. Yeah. Everyone was into it today. Yeah. And. Um, I don't know. Hopefully the last time. <laughs> it had to be the Timberwolves when that 11 flipped over. I know. <laughs> it was, well, it was, so I like, I was up on my like high horse tweeting out like, Hey, the odds are different this year. Like, you know, pay attention. Literally every, I got the ratioed in the comments of people being like, well, they're for sure going to move back to 11 or 12. Like for sure. I'm like, <laughs> all right, you guys, come on. Can we like do a little bit of like positive juju? Sure enough, I was, I was wrong, and they they moved back. Like they didn't even couldn't even keep the ten. They couldn't even keep the ten. Uh, that's it what was sixty six percent chance of ten. I told you before we went on that if they were going to get ten, I'd rather they get twelve. I mean, I was joking, but <laughs> it was like whatever. It's next year we'll have the same thought. They can't. It can't happen every year. One of these years they're going to get really lucky. Have and I, I, I'm going to I'm going to stand by that. One of these I, years, I don't think they're going <laughs> to. They're going to get really lucky one of these years. Do you think the Wolves are going to make the playoffs next year? If I had to guess right now, no. Percent. Chance. 20. Oh, I'm way higher than 25. That. I think it's close. Like, I think it's close to 50-50. Yeah. Maybe I, this doesn't I help. I mean, maybe I need quiet. to, like, recalibrate with now that the Lakers are. What are the odds the Lakers don't get, like, at least a The Lakers Kemba are going to make the playoffs. Lakers are going to make the playoffs. So who do you think will fall out? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, the, um, could the Jazz fall out? Probably not. Nuggets? No. Pro- probably not. Blazers? Probably not. I just... The Wolves have a chance to be good. I I think they'll be good. That's, I think that's a different question. I think they'll be a playoff competitive team all year. I just think that they're going to have to have a good offseason and a good season no, to make the playoffs. You you frame it well in the sense that it's hard to... So the, the lowest-seeded Western Conference teams were San Antonio, the Clippers... Oklahoma City and Utah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to project any of those teams not making the playoffs. Yeah. Like the Clippers are going to get somebody. They're already good without yeah. without the, having without Kawhi, like or whoever. Um, the Spurs somehow. Well, Dejounte Murray's has come back, and they somehow created the sweet core of young players, like while making the playoffs every year. I still think twenty percent is low. But I don't know. And, I yeah. don't have a team who I can be like. It, well, it's hard. So, so the East, we talk about. You know, the second round of the playoffs. And if you like, think the Lakers are going to make it, then that means two teams from last year have to jump out. Well, you got to say the Lakers have better odds of making it than the Wolves. Right? Oh yeah. Um, Dallas, 
I think the Wolves can be better than Dallas next year. I think they will be. Um, I know that like Porzingis back and yeah. another year of Luca, but I think the Wolves will be better than them. We it's got- a, Covington. That's what if I was you have healthy say. Covington, like Cat and Covington is. That's such is, a solid baseline. Cat and Covington is better than Luca and Porzingis. Yeah, right now, yeah. I think maybe I don't know. Maybe some people think that's stupid, but I I don't know. Like I mean, Luka good Covington. Was, yeah, Luca would have to take a step. Porzingis would have to be the Porzingis he was, and Luca would have to take a step forward. You think? I think the Wolves have a better record than the Kings next year. I would guess the same. Yes, but that's still the Kings that make the playoffs. Yeah. So. The path for the Wolves requires either one of those teams having some unforeseen blow up, which a year ago with the Pelicans, we wouldn't have been like, oh, yeah, they're going to like shit's going to hit the fan and they're going to win 33 games. Like the Pelicans were like a lock to make the playoffs going into this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, we don't yeah. know what's going to happen. This we don't know summer. what's going to happen. This, this is, is a big way re- too early of a conversation. Well, this is but. a big reason why I've been trying to bang the like that aggression drum like rosa spoke about that aggression like roster aggression like when you think about some of these players that you're worried about their contracts and how they could you know dampen the long-term outlook of this organization it's also dampening the short-term outlook because we talk about not making the playoffs this year so that's why being aggressive on some way you know change is good like you might just need to change something up if you really feel like you only have a 20% chance of making the playoffs this well, year it, or 40 or whatever. They, they won 36 games and that this year was terrible. That's 12 away from the yeah, 11 away of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. It's 12. The the Clippers won 48. Um, 48 also seems kind of high for making the playoffs in the West. Like, it was 47 two years ago. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Now I'm just digging for... Now we're looking for reasons to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make myself sound right. I don't know. I always, I always say this. You never know like how the league's snow globe is going to shake out mm-hmm. and where the pieces are going to fall. And the lottery is domino one, but there's there's so much more that could happen. You know, if at 11 they get Shea Gilgis-Alexander, like... Absolutely. That's, that's meaningful. Covington 82 games or 80 games of what he was for the first 11 he was here, a step forward from Dario. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm being like overly optimistic, but I, well, I, it doesn't, it doesn't seem illogical to me that that could happen. No. And even if I don't have great confidence that they'll make the playoffs, I think they're going to be a good team. I think that Robert Covington and Carl Anthony Towns, if they're healthy, give you such a solid two way baseline. They complement each other so well on both ends of the floor. And they're both really good, and they're both really good at different things. So I think that they give you a baseline that makes you extremely competitive every night, can beat right. any given team. So that just gives you a baseline that I think it's less likely that that they're like bad than mm-hmm. it is that they make the playoffs. So then depending on what happens this summer, if you go out and have a really successful summer – doing whether it's doing things on the margins or making some big move then yeah somehow one of the teams crumble yeah swing the odds in your favor right wiggins for mike conley what else do the wolves have to attach it's another (laughs) i was gonna say is that that it (laughs) (laughs) deal (laughs) uh uh, i don't know not so so my that too probably take my rant right probably yeah um i think conley's probably gonna be i would have said more likely than not, Conley was going to be moved this offseason no matter what. I, I've said for a long time that Memphis is a team that makes sense to take a cut mm-hmm. at Wiggins. You're you're young. You need to get young. I mean, they need to get younger. If they go, I don't know, what, like, what do you need to attach to Wiggins on top of the 11 pick to make that realistic, do you think? Do you think that the Grizzlies are more interested in a future draft pick or a player? Probably a young player because they're going to be bad for a while so, and get their own picks. Because then, because if they want a future draft pick, then you end up being in like a hawk situation where you're like, oh, actually, we have too many picks. So maybe Dario Saric and Jaron Jackson Jr. is a perfect front court combination. That was kind of the guy I was going to say. Yeah, I would do that in a second if I was the Bulls. Me too. So that means we probably need to add more. <laughs> well then it's Okogi or Bates Diop and then it's Okogi. first round picks so do you do that do you do 11 Wiggins Okogi and Sarich well now we're Conley. throwing 11 in there too I've had 11 in there the whole time oh 
That's a lot. That's a lot. I just don't know like what team you play with. I want to <laughs> so, so do Conley, that. Like, here's the deal with Conley, though. Like, I like Mike Conley. I think he's 31, 32 years old. He's making 32 and a half next year and 34 and a half the year after that. You can argue that that is not a that his marginal productivity does not yeah. meet that. Yep. So it's not like you're getting a a great contract back. So you you think if you're if you're Memphis, you would do you would just take just Sarich 11 and Wiggins for Conley? Would you do that? I wouldn't. Yeah. I'm not an Andrew Wiggins believer, <laughs> but it just depends on if they think that there's a that he's a reclamation project. Then yeah, I would. If I thought that Andrew Wiggins was a reclamation project, I would look at that like a coup because then you're getting these other pieces who are like Dario Sarch is a good player and he's going to be a good player. See what I think the issue is there. I think a Kogi would be more attractive to for Memphis than Sarch. It's kind of weird as that sounds. Sarge has the yeah, one year, and yeah, then, no, then he's going to end up getting paid. Um, I think that's the same reason that we'd be more reluctant, like we're more interested in not trading him. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think, I think if I'm Memphis, Wiggins, Okogi, and Eleven, you have my attention. Yeah, if if I'm Memphis, I, I, I do. I really, I really think so. You put Sarge in there, probably. I'll probably take that if I'm Memphis. Yeah. Because, I well, mean, it, it just depends what other deals you're going to get from Mike Conley. Right now, I'm thinking about it of, like, what Conley serves to them versus that. Like, they're going to be able to get something it also, nice for Conley from somewhere. Andrew Wiggins makes taints every one of these hypothetical trade conversations because it just depends. He's the the star of that trade, like the quote-unquote star. He's the big money cool. that's being moved. <laughs> that's being moved. So you have to believe in him. And I do. I have to believe that there's some subset of general managers out there that wouldn't touch Andrew Wiggins with a 10-foot pole. I have to believe it. If we're also going to say that there is this subset that would see him as a reclamation project, you can't convince me that there's no GM out there that would say, like, no way. I don't want to touch Andrew Wiggins. You, wait, say that again? I have to believe that there's a subset of general managers that would have absolutely no interest in trading for Andrew Wiggins right now, no matter the cost. Even if they're a Memphis team who's like, we need young pl- I mean, we're rebuilding, rebuilding. Like, I don't know. I It's five years. Four. <laughs> Four. Four now. Four, 122. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, I've, I've, for a long time... Well, my point, my point was that there's got to be some subset who really feels that way. And if Memphis's GM is a part of that subset, then yeah. Yeah. Then that doesn't help that trade. So it just depends. I hate these conversations. Yeah. So, well, it's, it's one, it's just hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Like, we don't know what Andrew Wiggins' value is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I, it's really hard to get any sort of indication as to what that is. I think it might be bad to put Wiggins in. I mean, if you put him on Memphis, you're basically putting him back on like the 2016, 17 Timberwolves, where he shot a million shots wherever he wanted to shoot him from. Like, what it it would be bad for Andrew Wiggins, I think, to go like he needs to start. He needs to play for a more adult team that cuts down his role. Like the days of he has got he's got to earn it. Yeah, yeah. I know. Whoever sent that question, I'm mad at you because then <laughs> no, I'm, I'm all con- I'm all confused. I'm all about the, the the idea of having Mike Conley on this team, though, and I'm all about the idea of shaking things up via, if it's possible, trying to find a trade partner for Andrew Wiggins. Right. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> what what could this is another kind of question that I'm putting together with some of my own thought in it because they're asking who would be who would be a nice complimentary piece that you could use 11 for rather than a pick what do you think you could just trade the 11th pick for i think that depends on the competency of your front office Mm -hmm. don't you think that over time you see a lot of of trades that are like we're some i don't don't know i don't have any really specific examples to lay this out but I, i really do think it depends on 
what what the other general manager sees and what they can get from the eleventh pick. Mm-hmm. If there's a general manager out there that's you know watching the draft go and says my my guy's still there at eleven, right. and I think that guy's going to be a star, like the Spurs kind of did with Kawhi Leonard when they traded George Hill for that pick. Mm-hmm. If if you get somebody like that who falls a little bit, and another team says that's my guy and he's still there, like we'll give you. You know, I think that you could find a, a really nice, capable player. I think it's hard to parse who that would be. Do you have Aaron Gordon? Yeah, I would think that you could get some somebody that type. Right. Like the issue is, though, and why I don't think this type of just training the pick for an actual player will happen is the Wolves will need to send out money. And the Wolves, Wolves aren't operating below the cap where they could just absorb Gordon. Like that would make some sense to me, like in a trade value vacuum, I guess. Yeah. But the Wolves can't just add on 20. They would need to put Jeff Teague in that trade. Yeah. Which is, that's a whole other complicating factor. If you're Orlando, do you want? I Yeah. I also wouldn't be a proponent of that strategy. Because I don't love Gordon either. But. I, well, and not just Gordon. We're talking about Talking about just of, getting some solid player because that could help the Wolves next year, like make a playoffs push, mm-hmm. playoff push next year. But I'm trying to hit this home run. The mm-hmm. Wolves are trying to hit this home run. I, you you've got a far better chance of doing that with the eleventh pick, or if you want to trade it, trade it back for two first round picks, trade it for a couple of of, of distressed young assets on mm-hmm. other teams. Do do something like that that actually gives you upside, rather than something that it's gives weird. You, uh, I have no idea. Like <laughs> I have no idea what Russ is going to do with that. I mean, we we started this the mailbag whatever with the question of do you draft move up or move down. Like I don't know. Normally you can kind of parse through it and be like, it seems like the most likely outcome is, and I know you said you think they'll draft there, but I mean, you agreed. You could see it being traded yeah, like yeah. very reasonably. I don't know. It. We don't know who Gerson Rosas is. We don't know what aggressive, he said being aggressive a million times. Matt, did he just say that because he knows that's what we want to hear? Or does he actually want to get aggressive? Because if he actually wants to get aggressive, if you mean aggressive, Trading the eleventh pick is getting yeah. aggressive and, and being like we're not, we're not just running this back out there. We're not gonna like, okay, the Timberwolves need a point guard. I agree, and everyone is very excited about Kobe White, as my as Twitter tells me. Mm-hmm. And maybe Kobe White's good. You know what? Ninety percent of the time isn't good. A rookie, point a rookie point guard. <laughs> like, if you get Colin Sexton, who actually kind of seems like he's a decent prospect now. You know what Colin Sexton does? If the Wolves just add this year's Colin Sexton on the team, you get worse. Because rookie point guards, it's the hardest position to come into the league, particularly when you don't have, like, NBA size. And being able to – they usually a rookie point guard can't defend. They they don't know an effect their personal effective shot selection, and they end up hurting their team. I know you you wrote about Andrew Wiggins a week ago in, in, your, in your Wings piece, and it was – I mean – kind of hyperbolic and pointing out all the terrible stats that Wiggins had yeah. from being a volume shooter. Colin Sexton fell in like all of those yep. categories. Yep. And like, that's probably what Kobe white is. So like, I don't love the idea. I, I don't, I don't know enough about Kobe white to be like, he's going to suck. But generally speaking, a lottery point guard isn't, isn't something that helps you right away the year after that. I think like Dennis Smith, like it, it that's, that's the more normal arc yeah. of a point guard. So it sucks that the Wolves' need is at point guard. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's going to be – if they draft a rookie point guard, like the aggressive – the being aggressive thing, which suggested like, hey, we're trying to make the playoffs like this year or at the latest next year. Like I, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to be able to make the – if you're going to be able to make the playoffs if you are going forward with Kobe White and Tyus Jones as your point guards for the next two years. Like – I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can make the playoffs because point guard is huge mm-hmm. in the NBA right now, and it's the hardest position to come in right away. So I don't know. I'm 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 torn because once we start doing these Timberwolves mocks and all this, this and that, and it's there's going to be the su- suggestions of trading up for Garland or, or whatever Morant if you want to get really aggressive, and it's like even Morant, who's going to be the second pick, might not. Odds are. He's not going to be a player that drives winning next season. Yeah, absolutely. That's why he fits great in Memphis because they aren't going anywhere next year or Phoenix or something like that. Like 
the Wolves are in a different spot, and I, it's just it's it's frustrating that their need is point guard. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that I sort of disagree with you on is the idea that being aggressive means that playoffs in the short term is the priority. I think that you can be aggressive saying that we want to maximize this team in three years and we don't think we can do it. Unless we're aggressive now. Unless we're aggressive now. I like that, aggressive. Yeah, so that that's generally like how I think about aggressive. Also, the other way to look at it is like get as much present value as we can out of trades. But um, other than that, I agree. If the Wolves would have gotten, you know, number four and drafted a point guard, they would have probably gotten worse next year because they would have rightfully committed, you know, 30 minutes a game to that person. You don't draft John Morant and then play him 15 minutes a game behind Tyus Jones. You just don't. You just can't because that person becomes a fundamental part of your future. Right. So that was Maybe it's Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but like... I know Gilgis Alexander had a good year, but yep. like he and he started. I get that, but he was what like the eighth, seventh best player in that team, right? Mm-hmm. On the eighth best, on the eighth best team in the West. Yeah, it's point guard's tricky. The Wolves absolutely need to address point guard, but given that you have Carl Anthony Towns in this team, I, I think what you got to do is go out and get somebody who you who you like know is going to work with Cat. And as we've talked about before, like that's somebody who's going to be able to have a great pick and roll synergy with him, who's going to be able to create their own shot from three off the bounce, be able to get to the rim off the bounce, because that's what Cat needs. And that could be Garland or White or whatever. Like it could be, but it's not going to be for a while. And I, I don't know. I'd, it could. We know it'd be Mike Conley. To bring it back to Mike Conley, you know that if you paired him with Carl Anthony Towns next year and they were relatively healthy, they would be great. I have, I give it a 94% chance. Like that is a phenomenal duo. It's just like, like if you have Conley, Covington, and and Cat, yeah, that's definitely playoffs. Yeah. Even though as hard as we painted it, if it's healthy, that's a playoff core. Right. Which I guess there's some question marks. Conley and Covington question marks. But yeah. All right, I think we did it. Yeah, this was this was not the podcast we hoped to have. No, we, there was a fourteen percent chance that this was going to be an awesome podcast. <laughs> <laughs> instead, instead we hit the nineteen percent chance that it was flat. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This is this is just the reality right now. And uh, you know what? If you believe in karma, this year what the Wolves didn't handle themselves great this year. Yeah, and a lot of that falls on Tom Thibodeau, but. They didn't have the karma that should have jumped them up to a top four pick. But if you still believe in karma, I will say that one of these years, the Wolves are going to get really lucky. It just yeah. can't keep happening this way. Well, I don't even know. If, yeah. I don't even know if it's karma. I think it's just math. Math. Yeah. Like that. I think exactly. Eventually. But I don't know. I. It's going to happen eventually. I, I think they're going to be better than the 10th worst team in the league next year. Yeah. I, I really do. And so. Maybe I, I hope they're not in the lottery again next year, but it's it's the West. The West, the West is a battle. Um, all right, we're gonna. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be going to the combine, which I've never done before, so I don't know exactly how that's gonna go. But hopefully, we'll. I'll have a lot to share from from that, and I'll be I'll be writing about. I think we have a lot of access to all of these guys, and I I plan on really spending this week to to dig in on film on Kobe white and mm-hmm. see, you know, what I actually formulate my own, you know, personal opinion when so much of just given that I have watched the NBA for the past six months have been my opinion on all of these rookies right now is just leaning on conversations I've had with other people or doing what everyone does, you know, yeah, <laughs> watching YouTube and looking at, absolutely at, at draft boards. So it, this is, this is where we're at now. Like it's, um, we're moving domino one is down. The lottery got the combine got the combine this week and before I know I mean we're a month away from the the draft itself which is going to either spur a pick happening or a trade trade's gonna start happening so I th- this year it's just this has been my first year obviously like covering the league full-time and I know everybody used to say like the the league like doesn't stop it's like a, a 12-month league like I'm telling you it's a it is yeah it's is it's oh, crazy yeah. it just there, there's there's constantly stuff like today the lottery happened and the Western Conference Finals. I know also started. That game like, came on and it was like, <laughs> wait, what? I was like, it feels like it's July right now, but it's also <laughs> yeah, 
there's stuff like I don't know. It's it's weird. So um, yeah, I, I'll I'll be at the combine and we'll we'll be back. Check out zone coverage for whatever I'm able to write and gather from there. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Dane Moore MBA. Charlie is at C Johns MBA. Check out Charlie has now broken down the bigs, the wings, and the guards. Kind of a whole full roster review in yeah. a bite sized package. So that's up on the site right now and. Uh, yeah, just continue to continue to stick with our wolf stuff and rate and review Dane's podcast. Goes yeah. a long ways. Yes, and you know what? Sometimes I click on it and it's just like a you're like, oh wow, that was really nice. I I do the same. When you see those reviews, like if you yeah. write a review for Dane's podcast, we will see it. Yes, and if it's nice, we'll be really excited. Yes, I'll give you a virtual <laughs> high five. That's the thing. Like people people don't know. I know you and I have talked about this before, and this is maybe more less for the podcast, but for like an article you write. And it goes as the writer of the article, getting a comment on your tweet or a message or whatever that says, Hey, that was like, that was really interesting. I really appreciated that article because of X, Y, and Z. Like that goes so much further than a million retweets or likes Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like knowing, knowing that you liked it, like we're not, we're not too proud to say that like, (laughs) feels good to, feels good to have a pat on the back. And yeah, for however, I don't know, like Apple's algorithm works. I think that makes us apparently a hundred a hundred ratings is a is a big deal. So we need like fifty. Jeez, so. we, don't, we only have we don't. Well, we never ask. That's the thing. Okay, I'm sure everyone's still <laughs> listening to the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you, thank you for sticking with us. We're not gonna we're not gonna stop uh, doing pods throughout the year because the season isn't stopping apparently. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening again. Dane Moore MBA, C Johns MBA, at Zone Coverage MN. Until uh, next time, so. Feeling better, hoping never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts So you can quickly and easily find what you need Plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.